You're listening to the Substandard Model. Hi guys, on today's episode we're going to be asking the question, have you ever wondered why plastic goes white when you bend it? Have you ever wondered why so much water in the desert, even though it should be really dry? Maybe it's an optical illusion or something, I don't know. Or have you ever wondered why opening a car window at speed makes that loud bump, 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 bump? Specifically says I'm not a little bitch. Yeah, but that's exactly what a little bitch would say. Mm. Right. Okay. <laughs> you consider that. Right. Uh, we're currently recording with a nine-hour difference, so it's like eleven. Yes. This and... is um, and for <laughs> for me, it is it is eight forty-one p.m. Um, mm. are we actually are we going to do this? I could say where I am. Sam, where are you? I'm in um I'm in a hotel called the Hotel Wing. I am in a, I'm in the breakfast I'm, ne- I'm I'm next to the breakfast buffet. Um right. a good a good a good 12 hours after the breakfast was last used and the lights are all off. I think the doors are locked and I'm pretty sure the hotel's closed. There's no there's no one else here obviously. I I've, I've managed to find I unplugged one of the speakers. Do you have a safe route out of the breakfast buffet or are you stuck there? Until the morning. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with fifty fifty on that. I think right. there's a decent chance. I I think there's a decent chance the door will be locked during the podcast proceedings, and I will be staying in the breakfast buffet for the rest of the night. I can see some people walking outside. There are glass. Thing is, my main problem is there are glass doors, and outside there are occasionally just drunk. Oh, I'm in Japan. Yeah, there are just drunk Japanese people just walking past the glass doors, mm. and then like occasionally looking at me. Mm. on a zoom call and i think and i'm worried that i'll tell someone that i'm in here yeah. which is fair enough i mean like maybe they'll be fair but... it's only it's only 8 41 they're probably not they're probably not hoodlums but um I th- i'm in kagoshima which is one of the lesser known um, cities to look for cranes cranes and other and other i birds. saw a video online of a crane it had I guess a runt of the litter. It had three babies. And there was one baby right. who was a bit more shite than the other. And the crane just yeah. up, picked up the shite baby and just threw it out <laughs> of the nest in front of the other two babies. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? There's, there's, a, video. there's a video I saw of um, a, a heron in Brazil. And it had three chicks and one was the runt. And it just, it just picked up the runt and threw its head back and just ate it. <laughs> nature's cruel I find Damn. that really funny and then there's us reviving babies who aren't breathing properly it's... out of the room that's good yeah that's good we that's need to normalize true. that we're born, nature we're all runts we are species is <laughs> born runts yeah if i was a heron i would have been eaten yeah yeah right. anyway so if if yeah i might have to also in about half an hour i have to go and take out my dad's laundry that's cool. On the fourth floor. I'll use that to do but, a little bit more research. Oh, I see. Someone's not done research. Oh, for sure. Uh, but someone's been busted. writing a book. True. Henry's, Henry's. Oh, yeah. Okay. For anyone who actually does listen to the substandard model and who would like to consume the content of the substandard model in another 
format of linguistic communication may we interest you in the substantive model um, revised edition book which henry has decided to to actually make like he's going to actually make a book and also i'm helping i haven't helped yet but i'm in planning i'm planning on helping um and you're this in summer Japan, you're in kagoshima this summer i'm in kagoshima but th- this summer coming to a good good and bad bookstores near you alike will be the substandard model probably amazon but, to be fair but probably amazon um the best bookstore <laughs> it is a bookstore it's an online bookstore um, I saw it started as a bookstore. We're on 90. It did. It started as selling books and delivering them to you. That was the whole big idea. Jeff Bezos just got Jesus. really lucky that everyone wants to have everything delivered after that. <laughs> yeah. You know how you can give me books? What if I also wanted a, like, a, like a whisk, like an electric whisk? Could you do that? <laughs> I suppose. I suppose. Jeff's like, yeah, I guess. I guess. Like an inflatable <laughs> crocodile. Two years later, yeah. and he's like Watch the richest batteries. man on the planet. <laughs> It's <laughs> like I can get you that, sir. Most bookshop owners would be like, "No, we can't get you watch batteries." But Jeff shop. Bezos, Jeff Bezos said yes to everyone who would give him money, and that's why he's rich. Mm. That's my theory. It's a life lesson. <laughs> if, if people wanted to be rich, they would end up becoming a shop which sold all the things, like Jeff. <laughs> that's the key. If you don't have all the things to sell yet. Consider buying exactly. all the things and then if someone walks things. into if someone is walking into your shop asking for something and then you say no I don't have it that's on you you failed to make money in that situation <laughs> your job now is to have it okay and that's what Jeff Bezos that was a failure about. of exchange that was a failure and that's not an effective business model you want everyone to be able to get anything all the no time matter, all the time all at once for the next day. Yeah for the next day there's a book um currently it's got 90 topics i think by the time it's released if i could put a release date on it now it would probably be august but wow okay that's good yeah right okay just give me give me your astrophysics one my astro oh of course oh my god did you say you were doing one or you lied did you lie to me? No, no, no. So, so, so about just before I left, I went through this massive phase of astrophysics because, well, I, I had to, long story, but I had to make a presentation about planets just for, for kind, kind of for fun, but I had to make it. And I wanted for? to make it um, for, it doesn't, for Ali, basically. We were going to, it's just a thing we were doing, but it had to be really good. And planets is a big topic. And she's on a gap year. What? <laughs> She just wanted Am me. I need we, this we presentation did. on planets pronto. Fine. <laughs> no, we we were just doing a cute, stupid thing where we make little presentations for each other. That was what we were doing because I thought that would be quite a fun idea. If and she <laughs> agreed. So anyway, and then she chose planets as the topic, and I was like, "Are you sure?" And she was like, "Yeah, that, that's what I want to know about." And I was like, "Fuck, that's quite big." So I basically went through all of the planets, and also planets in general. I think I ended up writing, I wrote 48 pages of script, of oh, pure wow. writing. Really tr- this was supposed to be a cute little funny thing. So, I, it, The presentation took three and a half hours. It, did she, did <laughs> it was she about listen to your whole slides. three and a half hour? She did. It was about 70 slides. Wait, no, it wasn't 70 Fucking slides. That's me. ridiculous. It was, it was um, no, it was 72 slides. Sorry, it was literally 70 slides. Um and it was it was many 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 it was a lot it was great 
but I um, I knew about planets a lot for that week. I, I didn't sleep for 72 hours in a row. And um, basically, I've just left that behind now. Some would and say that's ha- too much effort. It's no, almost like there is a good memory. I know too, yeah, I know too. It was a great memory. I, I, I have that now in my head somewhere. I don't think I could do I, that much on planets, honestly. You'd be I surprised. feel like it would get I, repetitive after a point, no? There's just so much cool shit, Henry. I could give you maybe 15 facts on every single planet in the solar system and then like 20 more about exoplanets. That's just so cool. Oh, They're fair really, enough, really yeah. cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. I see. I, like, I, was, I was thinking, yeah, yeah. I had all these facts and then, fair, and done, then I came I've here. Done, I've done a good number of planet facts. On You've this. done some good ones. I, d- I talked about orbital resonance. Yeah, so, you know, that's a great one. I didn't go on this. I explained all of that. That took a while. I, I, but I'm saving those. I'm going to be years for some, Okay. For some reason, I kind of forgot about those, and I've got three separate facts. Is the short? Is the is that, that's got, the short yeah. story? Well, we need more physics content. So, if I can just outside of this podcast record you talking about those as well. Yeah, I can do that. I can give you. I can do a three and a half hour special of Sam's planet presentation if you want. <laughs> get that one. Let's get that done. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I'll just record that on my own. You'd have to be there for that. All right, give me something. Okay, um, what am I going to start with? What am I going to start with? I'm going to start with a simple one. So all my facts today are pretty simple. They go back to our basics. You know, they're like question about our world answer. And the first one is, um, so Henry, you're walking through the desert. Okay, you're thirsty. You're hungry. You're, you're on a camel. And you're, you're just about to die. You're thinking this is the end. You know, life's flashing before your eyes. And in the distance, you see... I'm not. You see a, a, I'm not. a huge... You are. I'm no, you are. You're the camel. You're, Okay, so you, you close your eyes and you think, fuck, I'm going to have to eat this camel. Yeah, and then you sit down, you get, your bare, you get your bare hands, you shove it inside the camel's stomach, you rip it open, you watch the life drain from its eyes, this camel that has followed you for thousands of miles, and it's, as it slowly dies, and you, you eat all of its internal organs, and you get the water and the fats from its hump, and then the camel's now dead, and you're like, chuffed. great, I'm, pretty ch- I'm actually quite full now, I'm actually feeling quite good. And you walk maybe 10 more kilometers... You walk for a while, and then suddenly it starts to get a bit. You start to get a bit more worn down. You're yeah. um, you're no really feeling the time. heat, and now there's no camel, and you're fuck, fuck. And I also, yeah. I also, I really miss Jeffrey. Like he was a good friend, and now I'm thirsty, and I don't have a camel. So bigger problem. And I'm still nowhere near going through this desert. Yeah, you know. So, but then, then at that moment, you see a massive puddle on the horizon. You think, great, that's so cool. That's a totally normal realistic looking puddle in the middle of the desert that's probably no, real let's go there and as you go there you suddenly you notice that the puddle is getting smaller and smaller and it keeps going off into the horizon and then you know just just as you're as you're reaching this puddle it seems you remember something that you heard on a podcast many years ago in your youth um when you were an educated man and that thing that you heard on the podcast was said by me now which is that it's, it's a mirage. It's not a puddle. It's a mirage, Henry. Mm. So everyone knows about mirages. Mm. They're quite a well-known thing. A mirage is an optical phenomenon. And it kind of, it's kind of when you get some like reflecty stuff on the horizon, on the ground, that looks like water. But it's just a sort of mirror. Like you just get some sky reflected on the, on the road or the desert or whatever, what have you. Right, ever you can kind of imagine that, and it occasionally looks like water. Why does that happen? 
it's quite weird and it requires us to break a rule that a lot of people assign to light which is that people think that what what does light move in henry which what do you mean what does like what is it does it move in lines you know what kind of lines does light move in if you catch my drift i feel like you're trying to say straight lines so oh you said straight lines (laughs) no you dumb idiot it does not it moves in well light moves in straight lines normally but what light actually wants to do is get to one place to the other the quickest so Mm. light will move in a straight line normally because you know the quickest place between two points generally a straight line but if the quickest the quickest path is actually a curve light will move in the curve and that's what's going on here so let's say you're on the road and the the tarmac the tarmac is really 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 hot right really really hot so the air on above the tarmac is getting really heated up and it's starting to expand and it's getting less and less dense it's expanding out now that is less dense there's less molecules in there so light actually finds it easier slightly easier to move through the expanded air the hot air than the cool air so let's say you're a ray of light coming down from the sun and you get to the road and you think, hmm, you know, I could get to this guy's eyes by just like keep going through all this cool air. Or I could be smart about this and I could sort of duck down and curve down to the hot air. I could go through the less dense air and that way I would get to this guy's eyes quicker. So the light swoops down in a big arc, goes just towards the hot air above the asphalt and then swoops back up into your eyes. So you end up seeing the light from the sky on the ground. It looks like it's coming from the ground, but the light rays that come from there actually originally came from the sky. They just swooped down. Do you see what I mean? It's quite cool, that. It is quite cool, that. For some reason, I assumed it was more boring than that. But no, that's quite a cool mechanism. Like, you're looking at the ground. It's literally working the same as a mirror. Like the, the the literal light rays that you're seeing have ducked down, and that's why you get heat haze as well. Because heat haze is the convection currents, is the hot air moving up, and as it cools, the refractive index just starts to change because the hot air becomes more and more and less dense, and light will sort of wiggle around there because it's going from dense to less dense around all around these currents, and and the, the wiggling of the light is what creates the rippling. And you know, as I've been looking for cranes and birds. Heat haze is really killing my vibe, really, really killing my vibe. Because you're looking out with the telescope, you're looking out on the sea, and you see a, you see a Japanese mullet, you know, swooping across the sky. But you can't tell what it is because it's so wobbly, it's so wiggly, the heat haze is everywhere. It just ruins your life. And heat haze is, you know, all these optical effects everywhere, they break the one rule that we know about light, which is that it travels in a straight line. Now, I know what you're going to ask me, Henry. Okay, so this is what happens when there's a hot ground right hot asphalt hot desert whatever and a cool cool above ground what if it's like a really cold ground and above it is hotter right so mm. then the, the light doesn't swoop down the light's going to swoop up right? so do you what, see what the ground above the so you'd see the ground in the sky yeah like that's weird what would that be well that exists as well that is called a superior so an inferior mirage is the swooping a superior mirage is the big sort of bridge-shaped arcing, right? It's called a superior mirage. And it happens on the sea because the sea is really cold. It's like reverse asphalt. So the sea cools the air. And then you see something that this calls, was called the Fata Morgana. 
which is basically these huge shapes, these huge shapes above the horizon that look like they're sort of extending outwards. And because of the curvature of the Earth, we can actually see things that should be hidden from us because the light bends along with the curvature of the Earth. Nice. So we can see things that should be hidden from us that are really far away and they look like they're in the sky. Nice. Right? It looked, it's, uh, and that's called, and it was called the Fata Morgana by the Italian sailors because they thought it was a projection created by a witch called Morgana. So like the, the, the projections of Morgana. But yeah. Thanks for your mirages. Is that all on mirages? Yeah, yeah it was supposed to be a quick one. Ended up being a longer one, but there you go. <laughs> um, I'll cut it down. You can, you can have fun editing that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Is that everyone, apparently? Okay, so I'm going to be talking about... You can have the same type of plastic, but you can have different plastic densities which result in different plastic properties, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can you can have, like, polyethene, but you can have, like... It's like HDPE, right? And then mm-hmm. uh, uh, LDPE, which would be high-density polyethene and then low-density polyethene. And high-density polyethene, I don't know if you've seen Breaking Bad... That is that, anyway, so they dissolve. Is that the thing that doesn't get burnt by? Yeah, it doesn't get like dissolved by. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Walter, Walter White, that's his name, right? I haven't been, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Doctor Bugle, our old chemistry teacher, who probably was making <laughs> meth at home, wasn't he? Um, I think it's cool, probably. Or at least he wanted to make meth. Blue at meth. least he had the he had the ability to make meth. And yeah. he would have made meth, and he did, and was is still making meth, <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> High density polyethylene is completely different from low density polyethylene. Can you think of an LDP source or place where you find LDP, Sam? Um, I don't know. Food packaging, plastic bags. That's the one I always. Yeah. Think now, this isn't actually my fact. My fact, my fact is. Have you ever stretched a plastic bag, a Sainsbury's plastic bag? You know, when you stretch it at the handle? Mm-hmm. And you know how it goes kind of white? Yes, yes. I know exactly what you mean. I've always wondered why Why does it go is. white? When I used to do stupid, childish things like chew pen lids or like, you know, bend backwards little bits of plastic that come off stuff, because plastic just comes off stuff, uh, you'd always notice on the bend it goes like... White. It goes white. Yeah, the dye goes away, and it's like, what the fuck is happening? What is going on? Well, it's an interesting. It's what have it's... I done? And if you bend it back, it doesn't get fixed. It just doesn't. It's ruined True. forever. True. So it's a permanent change. It's a permanent change. Oh my god! I'm so glad you're going to finally answer this. <laughs> um, high density polyethylene means that the chain is built entirely along the it's in it's in one line so as each double bond is broken the two carbons then connect to two other carbons either side right and then those two other carbons are molecules which just have their double bonds broken if you create and this is all the density of your polyethene is dependent upon the manufacturing process and temperatures that you use as with most of these things um and the low density polyethene is it's you essentially create a web you have this messy, long branches that come off in all directions, which results in an amorphous structure, which means that oh. essentially it's a Jackson Pollock of plastic structure, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And and when you stress it, 
it's like pulling on a, a ball of yarn, right? Or a messy knotted ball of yarn, right? And what yes. happens as a result then is it increases. Yes, it can get knotted with itself and sort of maintain this amorphous quality to itself. But because of the stressing of it, um, it increases the uh, number of chains that are parallel to each other. And so it, it increases mm-hmm. what's the properties known as crystallinity of the polymer. And with the increased crystallinity, you have a more reflective quality to the light that's incident on it. Um, you also see that more crystalline polymers are see-through than uh, amorphous polymers. There's also a degree of, you can affect it by uh, temperature. So if you heated up the plastic, you would reach a, a reflective level. And it's also about deforming it to beyond its elastic limit mm-hmm. so if it can bend back on itself plastically you can sort of maintain the amorphous structure and so you can keep the coloration of the plastic but if you bend it beyond its elastic limit so it's bent plastically i.e. maintains its shape then you have a larger crystallinity in the polymer right so there's like a point where it's sort of unplastics because because there is definitely a clear point of, of bending where it turns white yeah you also if you if you if you like scratch the surface of the polymer the parts where you mm-hmm. deform it become white is that the same process yeah i mean it'll all be the same process won't it if you chew a piece of plastic uh, if you scrape off a layer of right plastic, Oh, like if you, oh yeah, like if you do like a shaving, a plastic shavings are always white. I think, yeah, I think ultimately when it comes down to it, what it is, is you've stressed a piece of plastic and it increases the crystallinity in that local area of the plastic, which makes it more reflective to light by increasing the density of the particles and the linearity of the chains. That's a satisfying answer. That's as complicated as it, as it needs to be. Okay. That's good. Right. Okay. Going to solve another one of Live Square Mysteries. Um, so, Henry, you're in the car. You have a nice drive. That is Life Square. On the... I mean, I can't drive, but yeah. You can't. You, you're, you're not. Okay. Your mom's driving. Your mom's driving. Your sister's there. You know, you're having a lovely day out. On the motorway, right? You're going to someplace exciting. You're going to um, you're go- you're going to Whipsnade Zoo, Henry. You're going to Whipsnade Zoo, and you're on the motorway, and it's going really, really fast, and you're excited, and it's, it's going really well. Um, and then suddenly, you you do a massive fart in the car, but it's silent, silent fart. So you think maybe, just maybe, I can get away with this if I crack a window open, and then no one must know my fart. It's so you're on the motorway, you open your window, and suddenly everyone in the car goes, Ah, Henry, stop! Because this noise, this noise of just happens, and then you go, Ah, fuck! And then you close the window, and everyone smells your fart anyway. Why? What happened then? What ruined your day? What was it that um, made this horrible noise? See, when I used to do. Sam, that's a I fantastic to, um, question. Yeah, I've always wondered this. I mean, when I used to like, so this happened all the time, like all the time, it always happens. And my dad always used to tell me, 
he would be like, ah, it's the window rattling back and forth in the frame. And I, and I always thought that was absolute bullshit. I would always be like, that's not true. That's so not true. That would be but a surprising I took it, answer. I took it for granted because, because I always just assumed that was that I assumed he was a genius. But then when I got old enough to realize that he in fact was not um, always a genius, I, I, I looked it up and tonight I'm here to bring you the. Can I, can I guess first? Yes, you can guess. I mean, it's uh, going to be a pressure right. differential, isn't it? That, well, that, that periodically yeah, switches on and off. Literally, then... every, literally everything's a pressure differential. Like, yeah, it creates a sound wave. So, yeah, it's going to be that in some way, right? Oh, fair enough. Well, that's not how I got to that explanation. But... And the period of it, the, the period of the sound wave, sorry, the period of the... That is dependent upon the speed. Slight, well, slightly. So you've got stationary. Actually, no, I don't think it got... is. I think the volume is, in, is dependent on the speed. I think the period is dependent on the shape of the car. Okay, interesting. Ooh. I think it's to do with when the fast-moving air outside of the car meets the, or whichever way you want to do it, the fast-moving air inside of the car meets, it's, it's the boundary layer between that and the uh, stationary air inside the car. Yes. And yes, it's yes, when yes. they meet. Why doesn't it? But why doesn't why it happen it a, when you're going slowly? Because they're able to meld with each other, right? Like it's not it's not a big me, enough difference that is there a, there's a shock you, wave created by it? Is there? There's a shock wave. Do you want me to give you another piece of information that might help you? Yeah. If you drove fast enough, it would go away. Okay. Nice. Okay. Um, if, you, if you open and if you open another window, then it goes away. Oh, oh! It's to do with the. But relation in in with with the other car windows. It's a well. Do you want me to tell you? No, I'm so close. Uh, I'm, uh, you are. You kind of said it. You kind of said it. It's just that kind of thing. It's know, got a it's fun a, name. It sounds interesting. If you go fast enough, do you create a? If because when you hit a certain speed, you can create a laminar flow round the side of the car. It's yes, but it's before that point. Importantly, so you've got this chaotic flow going on the side of the turbulent yes, flow yes, going on the side yes, of the turbulent, car. Turbulent as hell, yes, turbulent. And I, in my head, it's some sort of adhesion to the car, and then it reaches a certain point, and then it deadheads, and then deadheads, mm-hmm. unsticks, mm-hmm, kind of, and that creates a boom, and then it sticks. I back think on you're again visualizing it. I think you're visualizing it right. I think what you're seeing in your head is kind of what it is. Right. Basically, it's something called... Well, there's a word you haven't said. It's something called Helmholtz resonance. Lovely. It's a resonance. I love this. So, so you're driving in the car, and then the air is chaotic around the car, right? In fact, more aerodynamic cars are actually worse for this because it hugs the air closer to the side. Basically, when you're driving, you have these vortices which are formed. You know, these are formed in chaotic flows. And as the air comes down the car, it goes to the window, it meets the window, and suddenly it sort of trips. You know, the air like flips around and it starts curling in these little hurricanes, these little eddies of of air, right? Really fast-moving eddies of air. And they move along the window. And when they hit the back of the window, they are pushed inside of the car. Right, so you have a sort of vortice that gets pushed inside of the car, and the right. air comes inside of the car. Um, so, I mean, otherwise the air would just move straight along, right? But the reason you get wind coming into the car 
is because vortices vortices hit the back of the window and they come in. And then when they come in, they increase the pressure a bit, right? So they increase the pressure. And then the pressure increase inside the car causes the air to move back out of the window. But there's a weird thing that happens, which is the characteristic of Helmholtz resonance, partly, which is the inertia of the air moving out of the car carries a bit more air out than is necessary. So you actually get a decrease in pressure inside the car. Like it sort of overcompensates. You get a pressure increase and then the pushed out air has too much inertia and it decreases pressure a bit again, causing a slight influx again, right? So if this was just to happen, if this was just to happen as a slow moving car. So what you're having is a vortice that's going in and out of the car. It's like yeah, it's so the vortex push, the vortex pushes air in and it bounces back out, and then that bounce causes air to be pushed a bit more back in and it bounces back out again, and it pulls a bit more air back in and it bounces back out again. That's what generally happens, and at a slow speed that happens as well. So the air is getting pushed back and forth and bounced back. The, generally, though, you know the bounce back isn't quite as as strong as the original push, and the next bounce it's like a dropping a ball. The ball eventually runs out. You know so. This doesn't get maintained when you're at a slow speed, so you don't actually get very loud volumes. You can't even notice the effect. So if you're at a low speed, you, you get you get the vortex pushing in the air, and you get a little bit of wobble, but not enough to make a sound. The reason that you get the sound is because as the bounce back occurs, you know, as the air gets sucked in for the second time, that is timed with the next vortex along also hitting the back of the window. Right. So you get a resonance. So the, the, the vortexes are coming like bang, 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 bang at that rate. But each vortex creates its own little bounce. So if the bounce is timed with the next vortex, the next vortex gives the bounce a boost. And the vortex after that gives the bounce a boost. And you don't get this, this um, trailing off effect. It is resonant. Each time the vortex comes, it boosts the previous vortex's effect, and it sort of builds and builds and builds. And you can suddenly go from having not much sound at all to suddenly you hit a certain speed, and it goes <laughs> suddenly. It's really sudden. So you can right? draw and a really that, nice resonance sudden, curve for this. Really nice. It's a, it's really clear resonance, and like uh-huh. it's the exact same effect as blowing over the top of a bottle. Yeah, nice. So nice. It's, it's it's Helmholtz resonance occurs when you have an enclosed volume and a single opening to that volume. If you open a second opening, then the resonance is broken because, because the resonance the pressure can relieve itself out of the other opening. Yes, exactly. So exactly. you've got to have the pressure and relieving the, itself out of the opening, which is being pressurized. Yes, the pressure has to cut, it has to bounce back out, right? Otherwise, there's nothing to be in time with because there are there are two instances of air coming back into the car. Right, there's the vortex and the bounce back. They have to be in time. So th- this is like a the, the frequency here is very low because you can hear the individual beats. Right, it's like boom, boom, boom. If yeah, it yeah. got faster and the period was faster, it would turn into a note, and that's why you can blow on bottles. And the wider the aperture, the lower the notes. That kind of thing. Um, but this isn't actually. Um, so this Helmholtz resonance is a big thing. It's a big kind of um, phenomenon, and it wasn't actually discovered through this this is just like a side effect of it it was originally discovered through an object that helmholtz who was a guy in the 1860s and he he published a book called on the sensations of tone and he basically come up with something called a resonator and it's a sort of machine that looks like a big ball with what he described what, what he described as a nipple at the end and it's got like a tiny hole at one end and a big hole at the other end and if you put the nipple to your ear 
you can hear like a note, right? You can hear a tone, even if you're not blowing into anything. And right. what a Helmholtz resonator basically is, is it isolates frequencies that are just natural in the air. So um, let's say like in, in the air or any like cars driving past or flowing water or you know, birds, whatever, most of the sound gets damped by this big volume. It's like listening through, you know, like earmuffs, like you can't hear most of the frequencies, but some frequencies, the ones that are specifically resonant with the aperture of the hole, you know, with the aperture of the beer bottle, essentially, you know, the ones that are resonant, they get picked out. So he created these special machines where you could listen for one specific frequency in a bunch of noise. Um, and that's, right. that, that was, and he, he described it, the way he described it as, you, when you apply a resonator to the ear, most of the tones produced in the surrounding air will be considerably dampened. But if the proper tone of the resonator is sounded, it brays into the ear most powerfully. Now, this is what a seashell does. A seashell is a Helmholtz resonator with a specifically very low Q factor, which means that it, it dampens not as many frequencies. So it has a lot of like different resonances and you hear a lot of frequencies at once rather than just one tone. So yeah. you hear a few tones, and that's why you get like a seashell thing. And that also gets amplified by the sound of blood in your ear, but that's different. But it's, it's technically a Helmholtz resonator. And one very cool thing that you'll like that they did with Helmholtz resonators, Henry, they did this, um, I think they did this in, I haven't found much information, they did it in like the uh, 1890s, a guy called William Stern. Basically, you get 14 of these resonators, and you align them together, and they made essentially an analog Fourier sound analyzer. Nice. <laughs> because you can, un- you can, it's like a, a machine where you can that use picks out these, specific frequencies. these orbs. You can use these specific resonators to pick out specific frequencies in I've the seen, ambient sound. I'm looking at graphs now. A single Helmholtz resonator can pick up multiple frequencies. Yes, depending on the key factor, yes. So sometimes yes. it's just one. The, the true ones are just one, but something like a seashell picks out a few. Some pick out more than others. Uh-huh. depends on the structure of the object. Uh-huh. So your car could create different pitches, theoretically, but I think the, the range the of drivable yeah, speeds yeah. only allows yes. one frequency. Also, because the size of the window is it's like more or less standardized, like not entirely, but like yeah. windows don't vary that much in size. That 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 kind of means that a lot of them are the same pitch, but there are definitely you could you could design a car probably which had a more Helmholtzy vibe where yeah. you got a nicer sound. Um, but they're, they're designing cars now, like so. For example, like a big truck wouldn't have airflow along the sides of it as easily, so it wouldn't have that problem so much. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to go into them, but there's a lot of applications. You know, aircraft architecture, obviously with music and stuff, you can use it to make flutes and pan pipes and stuff like that pan pipes are just helmholtz resonance you know um the ocarina is a helmholtz resonator just anything where you you blow over a hole you've you've done helmholtz resonance and it's just vortices wiggling back and forth basically and creating some noise You're listening to the Substandard Model 